I'm Emma. And I'm Colin. And this is Frederick Uncut. Where we talk about what you're curious about across the county each Tuesday. Today we look at the issue of gerrymandering, specifically in the 6th District in Maryland, which encompasses part of Frederick County. A federal court consisting of a panel of three judges recently ruled the district has to be redrawn. Our guest this week is Walter Olson, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute Robert A. Levy Center for Constitutional Studies. He has been appointed by Governor Larry Hogan as a co-chair for the commission tasked with redrawing the map. We should also note that this interview was recorded before it was announced that Olson was appointed to the commission. Okay, so we are here now with Walter Olson, actually the second time, the only two-time guest on Frederick Uncut, so congratulations. Thank you so much. We're happy to have you. I'm I'm very excited about this. One of my favorite all-time guests. I know one of Emma's favorite all-time guests, even though she's been involved with the show for about a month, two months? Yeah, thanks (laughs) for that. Now, uh, we we want to talk to you about gerrymandering. We know you're an expert on this, among many other things. (laughs) Uh, but can you and there's of, a lot to talk about since he's been here last. Yes, right? there is. True. Um, so can you just kind of give us the lay of the land currently in the state of Maryland when it comes to where we are with gerrymandering? Okay. This issue has been ticking away for a long time, but it has gotten into the news in a big way in the last few weeks mm-hmm. because the lawsuit, which has carried on for years against the uh, way the 6th District is drawn, which made it up to the Supreme Court and then got sent back uh, to be continued. The federal court on that ruled quite recently, within the last uh, month or two, that the district was indeed uh, unconstitutional, that it violated the rights of some of the voters in it, and uh, gave the state uh, basically uh, a fairly short time, a few months, to come back with uh, a plan for uh, districts that were compliant and, and were uh, did not look as bizarre and, and were not designed in order to uh, uh, achieve the, the result that that one was as far as electing a Democrat over a Republican. And at that point, the uh, key decision, the key fork in the road was uh, would the state say, okay, um, we're going to comply with what the court says or would the court or would the state appeal, uh, which means to the Supreme Court that's the place to to go, uh, and thus not immediately start drawing up uh, different and uh, districts in in line with with the court's wishes. And uh, the Governor Larry Hogan and the Attorney General Brian Frosch, uh, as you may have heard, have a record of disagreeing on all sorts of different things. And uh, yet again, they disagreed that Governor Hogan favored compliance and getting down to draw maps that complied uh, with the uh, what the court said and uh, governor and, and attorney general frosh who under the maryland system of government does not really have to take orders from or even necessarily listen to um, the head of the state um, chose differently and uh, filed uh, requesting certiorari uh, requesting reviewed by the U.S. Supreme Court. In an interesting way, he had negotiated with the plaintiffs in the suit, who are basically Republicans, uh, arguing that Republicans were done wrong by the uh, drawing of the 6th District. Uh, He had already negotiated with them a schedule to try to get things heard quickly. And that uh, uh, 
was interesting because uh, these negotiations went on, you know, somehow or other without the rest of us <laughs> here having input into it. And uh, it's good, presumably, for the um, uh, thing to be done quickly after it's dragged on for so many years. We want to get answers in plenty of time before the next election cycle, since it would affect who decides to run, potentially, and, and, and their chances of winning. But at the same time, a whole lot of uncertainty hangs over it because the U.S. Supreme Court, which we thought might resolve these issues last year when it took the Wisconsin case of gerrymandering and then took the companion Maryland case of gerrymandering, everyone was on the edge of their seat holding their breath. Finally, we're going to get an answer on whether or not uh, uh, you can get gerrymanders struck down as unconstitutional. And instead, the court um, put us back into the regular part of our seat and said, uh, we've decided not to decide, at least this year. Mm -hmm. uh, they sent them back on somewhat technical grounds, standing in the case of the Wisconsin case and even less in the case of the Maryland, saying, basically, we're not going to decide this time around, go back and litigate some more. Mm -hmm. And we knew when they did that 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 was not going to be the end of it because both cases remained alive. Various other challenges to gerrymandering also are alive around the country, and they don't get out of it that easily. Basically, the Supreme Court is going to be presented with um, these questions again, but uh, maybe Maryland will be the first one, uh, depending on whether or not they choose to take this. They don't have to review it. If they don't review it, then presumably Maryland has to go and comply. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you mentioned, you touched on the, the relationship between the governor and the attorney general, and I have this quote down from a story in the Washington Post I wanted to ask you about. It, uh, this comes from a spokeswoman, uh, Larry Hogan, and she said, it's outrageous that the attorney general and legislative leaders are continuing to fight against free and fair elections, even in the wake of a unanimous court ruling. The governor will continue to push for nonpartisan redistricting reform and will once again introduce legislation in the next season. Um, this has happened, you referenced Wisconsin, uh, also in North Carolina, I believe this has been an issue? Um, North Carolina has been litigated extensively and has had a number of federal court rulings. So yes, it, uh, there are a bunch of states with bad gerrymanders that have been challenged. Are you aware in any of these other uh, situations with other states between the, the sitting governor and attorney general, did they have that, that type of back and forth as well, uh, that sort of Not that I'm aware of, which does not mean that it hasn't happened. The mm -hmm. relationship in Maryland is sort of extra strained. They, they are independent of each other in many states, but usually they put on a little bit more of a show of family unity, uh, as we say at Thanksgiving time. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, there are the Thanksgiving tables where everyone is going to be nice to each other, at least in front of the kids. And then there are the ones where the bickering starts immediately. And uh, Maryland, between Hogan and Frosch, uh, is that Thanksgiving table that you dread. Uh, you know, they, it, they, they make it pretty clear that uh, they disagree with each other on a lot of substantive points and uh, that Frosch... Uh, takes his um, uh, bearings, you know, perhaps from the legislature and what it has done, uh, but not mostly from the policy that the governor would like to set. So when it comes to Frosch, I mean, what about, you know, saying Frosch should recuse himself? Or, I mean, when you first saw that appeal, what are your thoughts on that? Well, 
There have been requests that he recuse himself. I don't know the standards for recusal, but I doubt that uh, he would have to do it. He was involved in the legislature, and yet this happens a lot. Uh, If he had to recuse himself from everything that had ever come before him as a legislator, he'd be super recused from lots of things. I just, I haven't looked at it, but I, he hasn't chosen to do so. And uh, I don't expect that he will choose to do so. I think the question is because um, he was involved in making the maps. Well, he was involved in uh, voting among many other legislators who were all voting to approve the thing. I don't remember any allegations that he was behind the closed doors. And of course, all the interesting stuff went on behind the closed doors. Uh, by the time it was presented to the legislature for their rubber stamp, the interesting decisions had already been made. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, without remembering the details precisely, I don't think Frosch is alleged to have been one of the insiders um, uh, burying the bodies, but rather <laughs> one of the uh, general uh, members of the legislature who let it be done. You are a legal scholar. We can we can safely say you can that. say that. Although you cannot say that I'm a lawyer because I'm <laughs> not true. licensed to practice law. <laughs> when it comes to this disagreement between Frosch and Governor Hogan, can we ask you for your opinion on gerrymandering and if you believe if you fall on one side or the other? Well, I wish that the Attorney General had uh, decided to comply for a couple of reasons. First, I think that it's the right thing to do. Uh, I think that the <clears throat> the badness of the Maryland gerrymander, and this is not a challenge to the whole thing, it's not a challenge to District 3, that notorious praying mantis or, or broken-winged pterodactyl. It's only <laughs> a challenge to District 6, which means that a fairly limited fix would fix what the court was complaining about and would not um, endanger the districts of various other members around the state. It, uh, This case has been litigated for a long time. Uh, What Maryland did with respect to that district was sufficiently bad that it caused the U.S. Supreme Court basically to break out in laughter uh, at oral argument where uh, Justice Alana Kagan and Justice Stephen Breyer uh, for two said, uh, you know, there may be a problem of um, uh, gray areas and, and, you know, do we know it when we see it? But this is so bad that if this isn't uh, extreme partisan gerrymandering, nothing we've ever seen is. And you know, laughter ensued. And so you've got a chance, if you are frosh, to step back from an embarrassment that has made the state notorious nationally uh, without tremendously disruptive consequences. You've got two whole years, and basically it's only going to affect two districts, probably, that the redraw the line between six and eight. And uh, you are left with a district in which um, um, Congressman Jamie Roskin is probably super, super safe, and then a district uh, which is more up in the air, but um, the um, there is no incumbent. I mean, the, uh, you know, there there will be uh, David Trone elected for this past term, but there, it's not as if there's some long-term incumbent that's being mm-hmm. thrown out of seat or something. So, it would have been relatively undisruptive. It would have nodded toward the. Uh, universally acknowledged or almost universally acknowledged embarrassment, at least I say that Martin O'Malley has come around and apologized for it. Not everyone involved has apologized for it, but if O'Malley has apologized, I think we can take it as as read that um, it should not have been done. And the 
There's the wider question of are you setting a precedent for someone else? Now, people in other states um, uh, certainly will be faced with a precedent if the U.S. Supreme Court takes it and then does a ruling. Uh, they aren't particularly going to worry about a case that was ended when Maryland agreed to comply, but which set no Supreme Court precedent. So it's not as if uh, going ahead and complying is going to make a whole lot of difference for Texas or North Carolina or whatever. Now, you quickly get into uh, stuff that lawyers and legal scholars love to nerd over about uh, where the Supreme Court may be headed uh, with the Maryland case. Uh, one of the possibilities, uh, and everyone is keenly aware that uh, since the last pair of cases uh, were decided or not decided, uh, Justice Kennedy has been replaced by Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, it's widely expected that Justice Brett Kavanaugh is more likely to side with the four conservatives rather than take the Kennedy position in the middle. Um, and that could mean coming back and saying, uh, now we've decided definitely that there is no constitutional remedy. Sorry, you've got to go back and work with the political process or with Congress, but we're not going to give you a right to sue over it. In which case, Frosch wins. Uh, I don't know if I can make air quotes over the air, but <laughs> Frosch wins in the sense that uh, the gerrymander stands in Maryland. On the other hand, a uh, terrible outcome for the liberal cause nationwide, because in general, it has been liberals and Democrats who have wanted uh, the uh, court to at least leave open the possibility of um, uh, some remedy for gerrymandering. And so uh, I would think that the correct uh, strategy, if you are a um, liberal strategist who is trying to keep the law from uh, uh, developing in, in that conservative direction, is to keep the case away from the Supreme Court and hope that the same decision is being made elsewhere so that the court just doesn't consider it for a few years. Because after a few years, you may have a different lineup on the court. You may have a new liberal or two and so forth. But at the moment, if it's decided in coming months, then it, there's a good chance that it will be decided by the conservatives uh, uh, in favor of Farage's position. Uh, making Maryland Democrats happy and making Democrats around the rest of the country very unhappy. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, you talk about it on a national level. We, of course, want to know on a hyper-local level, with Frederick kind of being in the middle of this, yes. uh, what kind of forecast do you see if it plays out the way you just uh, said? Because, uh, and I also want to go back to something, too, with the redistricting. Do you, is there some thought that this this happened? You said Martin O'Malley apologized to get Roscoe, to remove Roscoe Bartlett from his seat? Is that sort of the prevailing thought? I think it's admitted or accepted on all sides okay. that the objective was to get rid of Roscoe Bartlett. Okay. The, when the discovery process of having to um, answer questions and depositions and, and produce the notes and so forth, when, when that came out, uh, it was quite clear that uh, talk afterward about, oh, well, we are uniting a... 270 corridor uh, was just window dressing added after the fact that the objective of the thing had been to defeat Roscoe Bartlett, to turn a relatively safe Republican district into a district with enough of a Democratic tilt that it would probably not elect a Republican and has not elected a Republican ever since. And so the question uh, of local interest looking forward, of course, is um, what would the districts look like and what would the politics look like? Uh, if uh, 
the state complied and fixed the line between six and eight. Now, I keep getting back to the business of fixing the line between six and eight for a very specific reason, which is some of the challenges in court to gerrymandering around the country have asked for the whole state map to be redrawn. In Wisconsin, for example, they were asking for the whole state map to be redrawn. In Maryland, it developed differently. Uh, they only allowed to stay in court people who were challenging the one district. And in the opinion written by uh, Judge Niemeyer, uh, there's a lot of language about uh, six and eight being uh, two districts that had made sense before and where population was redistributed between the two districts. People were moved from the one to the other uh, in order to achieve the gerrymander. And if they hadn't moved people between six and eight artificially, we wouldn't be in this position. All of that suggests to me that the court is looking again, not for a statewide fix, but for a fix of the six versus eight line. So we kind of know how that goes. Uh, six and eight both have very strange serpentine um, forms which, uh, in which uh, the population base uh, is kept in Montgomery County so that the Democrats can get a majority. And then uh, the uh, rest of the district is snaked out now for six, which is the one that hugs the Potomac. Uh, you've got, uh, they were trying to pack as many Democrats in as they could. So they looped around uh, the city of Frederick itself, basically they were taking every Democratic area they could get in Frederick County, um, which results in the famous uh, outline of the head of the Grinch in, in <laughs> Do Dr. Seuss, where if it, by, by looping around the, the, the city of Frederick, basically to get all the Democratic neighborhoods they could, there is this instantly recognizable, all that's missing is the tuft of hair at the top, and, and of course you, the, the greenness. But, but um, all of that um, is put in six, and then the sections of Frederick County that vote Republican, which are kind of a horseshoe um, around, you know, from Middletown up to Thurmont over to uh, Newmarket and Mount Airy, those are all in eight along with much of Carroll County, uh, all of which is destined to be outvoted by the super democratic areas that Jamie Roskin comes from, Tacoma Park and Kensington and, and uh, Silver Spring and whatnot. And, so um, doing it more logically would lead to there being a Montgomery County district, uh, which combines the uh, most of the uh, Gaithersburg, uh, uh, North Potomac, uh, uh, the Germantown area from six with the uh, Jamie Raskin heartland parts of eight. You get a resulting uh, Montgomery County only super democratic district. And then you get Carroll County and uh, uh, much of Carroll County being uh, attached to a united Frederick County and Western Maryland district, uh, which would probably be Republican except in the most democratic years. And the, um, it would have to go a little bit further. It would probably either spill into northern Montgomery County or you could send it into Howard County, except that that would interfere with District 7. Uh, so there would probably be uh, the northern fringe of Montgomery County, which by coincidence is the place where the Republicans do best anyway, uh, Damascus and Barnesville and so forth. So um, culturally, if, if that makes any sense, uh, this would... Uh, 
um, also be more logical because the fact is that those northern parts of Montgomery County already have a lot of connections with Frederick County. Uh, people shop in Frederick often if they live in those places and, and they um, uh, w will often have various community connections. So um, much more sense as far as uh, combining communities that uh, see themselves as similar, much less sense in terms of two safe democratic seats. Well, go ahead, Emma. Yeah, so the districts have to be redrawn, right? Uh, if the state chooses to comply, then they would, at a minimum, need to tinker with those two districts. But the but the whole the districts all have to be redrawn every ten years, right? Every what ten about years. That? So, uh, what the court is saying basically is, do this two years earlier. We okay. know that everyone's going to have to go back to the drawing board and uh, do a new map after the right. 2010 census. But they said this is unconstitutional, and when it's unconstitutional, you don't get to wait the extra two years, right. even though it would be. So do you think it's worth the, that then? And and what are like the various scenarios of uh, with 2020 in play? Well, it's one of the arguments that Attorney General Frosch made. Um, uh, you know, people will wind up with uh, effectively uh, two switches because there'd be the switch between the map they just used and a new map, and then there'd be yet another map coming along two, two years afterward. Isn't that disruptive? Well, it depends on whether uh, what they did this time is all that different from what they would do two years from now. Probably if they were working with correct population amounts, they wouldn't have to change it that much between the compliance map, if you want to call it that, and the post-census map because not that many people move over two years. But at the same time, uh, yes, there is an additional element of uncertainty. For, you know, for all we know, they could have some new map which cut into Western Maryland for different reasons that might be legitimate. I mean, who, who knows? Um, so, so it's not to be entirely ruled out either. And the uh, uh, whether or not the principle but by which the court is acting would also require them two years from now to clean up the general map a lot. That, I think, is a pretty good point because if the state has lost a battle over District 6, it's hard to see how District 3 um, could be continued under the, a new, the new census. They would almost certainly feel pressure from the court to uh, clean up all the districts after the next census. And then you'd be left with a very different looking map. At that mm -hmm. point, uh, the... Um, I mean, we, we get into a lot of speculation about what Maryland's overall congressional district, uh, the congressional delegation would look like under fairer maps. But uh, people who've run the simulations, for, I think it was the 538 site, which mm -hmm. is such a great uh, stat site for, for, for politics, but they, they basically um, used artificial intelligence to say, uh, what if uh, maps were drawn more or less randomly in accord with good districting practice. At that point, Republicans would be getting two and have a shot at a third, uh, just as um, minority membership, which is currently at two, would have a shot at a third. So um, it, but conceivably, there could be three Republicans and three uh, minorities uh, uh, minority members, uh, or depending on the look of the draw, there might uh, be two and two. But it's it's my understanding that the state has until March to to get a new map. That's what the court said. Now, of course, um, things can be put on hold if the Supreme Court is taking it. Then the lower court is basically not going to 
be able to act because the Supreme Court is, is uh, comes first as far as the, its its uh, schedule needs. But if that if that stands and they do have to, if the state has until March to get the map and they don't get a map that everybody can agree over, it goes to a committee. Is that correct? You've got me on something where I don't exactly know what's going to happen. No, that's because, not possible. No, it's, it's no. really true. The uh, uh, first, the court may not have fully spelled out. Uh, what it can do if it doesn't get compliance mm-hmm. from the state. We know mm-hmm. that one of the possibilities is, um, let's say the Supreme Court refuses to take the case and people get serious about compliance between now and March. Um, everyone could come together, certainly the legislature and the governor could come together and um, agree on some way to uh, draw a, a map that does comply, uh, present it to the judge, or the, the judges uh, Judges could say, yep, you did it, uh, here's the new map for two years from now, uh, and we're satisfied. Uh, on the other hand, it's possible that the governor and the legislature might not agree, and the governor uh, had been talking when uh, Attorney General Frosch announced that it was uh, going to be appealed, and then that this, therefore, there was not going to be any uh, compliance attempt that he that he could help. Um, the governor had said that he wanted to immediately uh, pull together some sort of panel to begin drawing a map that complied, and that he wanted to cooperate with the legislature to uh, make sure that they were sent one uh, in plenty of time that complied with what the the court wanted. At that point, the legislature, you know had had some options. I mean, it could vote down the governors, and, and I think it, uh, here's where I began to get hazy, because I had, had kind of learned the, the, the usual non-emergency procedure, but when you've got an emergency of meeting a court order, uh, things can happen differently. But um, at any rate, it's at least a possibility that the legislature would not agree with the governor's plan and might say, look, well, there's this other map here that we like better. Um, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, we're not going to enact your map. Uh, certainly there have been states in other redistricting controversies that have just failed to make judicial deadlines. And at that point, judges tend to turn to stronger measures. They might um, appoint their own uh, panel to draw the map. They might invite the public to submit maps and choose one of those. There, I mean, there's, judges when they get mad at you, have lots of power. <laughs> so you don't want to find out about this in real life. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, uh, one of the reasons why it's a bad idea to tick judges off by noncompliance is that you don't quite know what they're going to pull next mm-hmm. as far as um, remedies of their own invention. I, I know we're, we're running a little short on time, and I, I, I don't know if you have any more uh, questions, Emma. But one thing I, I want to go back uh, just to gain a little bit of perspective on this, and maybe especially for some listeners who don't or aren't as familiar with gerrymandering and this whole issue. Anyway, how, I guess, you know, this is probably a very stupid question, but how did it get to, how were they even able to kind of boot Roscoe Bartlett out and then start this string of, I believe it went Delaney and now Trone? And like, how does that come to beat at the beginning? How do people, how is that allowed? Okay. First, it's not a stupid question. And in this area, <laughs> there are no stupid questions. <laughs> Secondly, the Maryland does things its own special way, which is one of the reasons it has gotten into so much trouble on the congressional map. Um, some of the rules apply to everyone because they come from the U.S. Constitution as interpreted by the Supreme Court. And um, among those are that uh, when they do the 
remap at the end of uh, after each census, uh, they have to put the same number of people into each district. That's something that the U.S. Supreme Court requires, and so Maryland complies with it. Uh, but the there are a lot of things that the U.S. Supreme Court um, has not uh, uh, required. One of them is uh, with the state legislative districts, the, map, the districts for the Annapolis seats. Uh, they don't require equal population, for example, for those. Um, and they also don't uh, control, or they have not controlled effectively for many years, partisan gerrymandering. Now, um, the control on what they can get away with in Annapolis is not just U.S. Supreme Court constitutional opinions. It's also the Maryland Constitution um, as uh, enforced by our Court of Appeals here in Maryland. And there it's very important to note that the Constitution of the state of Maryland does include language on how bad the uh, state legislative districts can be. There is language that uh, the Court of Appeals has used in the past to uh, strike down here and there districts that, um, for example, crossed county lines too often uh, without any good reason. And so they know they're being watched, basically, uh, on the state legislative districts because the Maryland Constitution includes some language that the courts can use. The Maryland Constitution is entirely silent about those same issues on congressional districts. And the Court of Appeals, um, and it's probably something to praise about them that they don't want to be activists by inventing principles that are not in the Maryland Constitution. But they have said as a result, uh, with no language in the Maryland Constitution, we're not going to second guess the, the process, however bad it is. And that's why you see them um, exercising more restraint on the legislative districts. There is still some gerrymandering. They still get away with some things, but they don't try to get away with as much on that as they do for the districts for the U.S. Congress because they do feel that the courts are looking over their shoulder a little. I mean, I just want to come away thinking back to localizing it to Frederick, what you would say the one most significant impact will be for a resident of Frederick, for people of Frederick, for what's going on in Frederick? I mean, what would you say, what is it kind of going to look like when you talk about Frederick? And what's that one biggest impact? If the state complies, uh, whether because the Supreme Court orders it or some, for some other reason, uh, you're going to have a district that um, whose center of gravity is Western Maryland uh, instead of Montgomery County. And that means that different people are going to run. Uh, Mr. Trone would live probably far outside that district. So um, unless he changes residence, although, you know, strange things happen because <laughs> pe pe people change residence, they also yeah. uh, run for congressional districts they don't live in, as we've now seen again and again and again. However, usually they've had the excuse, well, I live very close to the district, even if not in it. After they changed those lines, Mr. Trone could live way, way, way outside. So who knows what's going to happen? We have already had our first, this seemed to me kind of very quick out of the gate, but we've already had our first announcement of interest in that uh, Delegate Neil Parrott from Washington County, uh, from the Hagerstown area, has announced that uh, he hasn't announced that he's running, but he's announced that you know he's uh, leaving the door open to being interested to being part. I mean, there's <laughs> there's you know four, four or five uh, conditionals, all of which are obviously set up like dominoes to to all fall uh, quickly if need be, and uh, and he sees and. 
I'm sure he will not be the last one to say it, that it's a district much more winnable by a Republican right. than District 6 has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there Democrats who could win it? Uh, quite possibly, but uh, we are early in that process. Uh, we know that uh, back when it was clear that Roscoe was in trouble, there was a flurry of interest from uh, people like a former uh, senator and now state budget director David Brinkley, Kathy Afzale, there were, uh, I think, Barodas himself. I mean, about a bunch of different people were interested in uh, that same primary that Roscoe Bartlett um, it, it was his last primary. And you talked a little bit about what is going to come down the road. What's the very next step we should be looking for? We have to watch whether the Supreme Court decides to take the Maryland case or not. Right. And if it does not, then they are back to facing the wrath of the three-judge panel. And um, <laughs> uh, and if it does, then uh, last time they took their sweet time uh, about scheduling oral argument, and they decided um, in the very last days of the term. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened the same way, because there's, if there's one thing we know about eight out of the nine members of the Supreme Court. It's the, they really don't want to be pushed into deciding this any earlier than they have to. Uh, they like the idea of kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. They're quite creative about finding ways to kick the can down the road. Um, it would not entirely shock me if they took the Maryland case and then next June found a way to kick it down the road yet again, uh, depriving us all of uh, the closure that we so badly want, at least if Mm -hmm. we're in the political uh, pundit class, but solving their own problem of really, really not wanting to decide this issue uh, in uh, a a final way uh, that they can't take back. Well, we'll have to have you on again yeah, then definitely. to explain. I, yes, and <laughs> that'll be that a two-hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> I want I want to get you out of here on this very quickly. Your very expert opinion on this very uh, simple question is gerrymandering to you constitutional? We have not written the final word on that, and the Supreme Court itself hasn't been able to decide between an equal protection rationale, a First Amendment rationale. You know, there's yet another one they haven't looked at, which is Republican form of government rationale. Um, some scholars that I respect say that if they want to start making elections honest, uh, maybe they should just grab the language which is about uh, having uh, a Republican form of government that accurately transmits voter sentiment to who gets uh, named the representatives. I have only survived this long in the law business by not making predictions or or even <laughs> necessarily having strong opinions if they make me too different from the Supreme Court's own strong opinions. No, I'm joking. Um, but the um, we all feel, I think, that there is something very wrong with gerrymandering. Um, it has done damage already. Uh, with each passing cycle, they come up with... Uh, cleverer ways to use big data and real-time computing power to make the process yet more unfair. Uh, I wish Maryland had the uh, political will to grasp the nettle and fix its own, uh, put its own house in order. Uh, And I tell my Republican friends in other states where the Republicans gerrymander the same thing I tell my Democratic friends in Maryland, which is, please just do this thing while you have 
the majority on your side because people will remember when you did the right thing. You're not going to lose all that many seats. Well, maybe in Pennsylvania they were going to lose a lot of seats. But in Maryland, the Democrats are really not going to lose all that many seats by doing an honest mm -hmm. map. And uh, <clears throat> you know, do it when no one is forcing you. Uh, you will get a better outcome uh, that is more suited to the particular needs of Maryland uh, po political culture than if some court comes in and forces you that doesn't know as much about it. Mm -hmm. well, that's, that's fair enough. As they kick the can down the road, we are going to call on you time and time again to explain it to us. I feel like we've learned a lot. Have we learned a lot today? Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's uh, good. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for being. And, and real quick, do you uh, want to plug your, your blog in your website? Sure. Um, my blog, Overlawyered, is uh, quite possibly the oldest continually published blog about law. Uh, it is uh, Overlawyer ED at the end. It is nowadays published by the Cato Institute, which is uh, where I hang my hat. Um, it explores the craziness that goes on in the name of our legal system and sometimes foreign legal systems, which means that I never run out of material. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> tomorrow, I'm about to publish, I don't know when this will air, but uh, the story of uh, how to become a judge from the Chicago area. Uh, you had uh, a guy uh, with the unremarkable and perfectly honorable name of Philip Spiewak, who uh, ran in the suburbs as a Republican, didn't get elected judge. And what he then did was uh, he ran in Cook County, Chicago, instead. Uh, he changed his name to Shannon O'Malley. Um, and um, he um, uh, switched to a Democrat. And he has now been elected a judge because America can, in America, you can do anything. Uh, you can adopt a gender ambiguous and uh, Irish non-ambiguous last name, which was not the one given you at birth. Um, knowing that, um, as political scientists have pointed out and laughed about for a long time, Chicago has such a bias toward electing people with Irish names as judges and something of a bias toward electing women as judges. Mm -hmm. uh, and Shannon is a wonderfully ambiguous name that name that way. Uh, so he's going to get to be a judge. <laughs> and uh, isn't America great? America is great, right? It's great great note to end it on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Walter. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. <laughs>